0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol.
2: Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Cannabisradio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman.
1: Hello and welcome all you high flying, under the radar cannabis. It can't be much longer now, as we congratulate Pennsylvania for becoming the 25th legal state. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com, and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. Humanity has a long history of using civil disobedience to balance unjust rule. Gandhi peacefully demonstrated for India's independence. Martin Luther King Jr. rallied thousands to march for racial equality. From bra burning to million man marches, as a country we have long embraced these historical events as part of our societal growth. The Boston Tea Party, one of the most celebrated acts of mass civil disobedience in history, is described in our children's history books as a great tradition of our nature and an example of freedom. Those men and women were the rogues and criminals of their day, not far off from the perception of pro-legalization activists of modern times. This begs the question, could cannabis activists someday hold a place in our history books? But this isn't just about smoking weed. It's about the millions of people who are unjustly sitting in jails and prisons throughout the country. Today we are talking with political activist Adam Eidinger, founder of the D.C. Cannabis Campaign, DCMJ.org. Adam spearheaded the passing of Initiative 71, which legalized the recreational use of marijuana in Washington, D.C., and he's now pushing for the federal government to reschedule cannabis. Adam's organization uses very public displays of civil disobedience to draw attention to the cause, including recent events involving the parading of a 51-foot inflatable joint on the streets of D.C., as well as a marijuana clone and seed share right in front of the White House. Today, we're going to talk with him about those recent demonstrations, as well as what you should know before participating in acts of civil disobedience yourself. Welcome to The Grow Show, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here today. I understand you're still on the front lines today and you're very busy out in front of the United Nations. Yeah, I'm standing in Daghammerstein Plaza across the street from the United Nations. And they're having an event about national drug abuse. Is that the event?
3: Well, yeah, it's the United, United Nations General Assembly special session on narcotics is one of the topics and there has been meetings for a number of months now to come out with a sort of guidance for the future for drug policy, international drug policy. But what really it's turned into is more of a debate between different countries to whether we're going to continue a prohibition model for drug control or we're going to start to explore other models. And meanwhile, sort of like barely being discussed is, you know, big push by countries like Switzerland and Mexico to just really address the marijuana issue.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you're my new hero of the day, man. This is this is the hot button issue for me. Legalization is all about tolerance for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, we're in, we are definitely in a period of re- real social change, and tolerance is on the rise. And I'm really yeah, proud. Well, human
3: rights is a big part of it, you know, and absolutely. I could say the UN at least. When you talk about that, people get it. We talk about civil rights, but these, I've met people on the street you know, at our demonstration who've walked by delegates, members of parliament in the United Kingdom. And we've heard things ranging from, you know, jail is actually a necessary way of deterring drug use. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot of, uh, things said about marijuana, which are just simply not true and misguided. So I actually think this institution is really behind the times, unfortunately. I was expecting this might be an opportunity for some serious international push to, to at least get cannabis out of scheduling because, you know, internationally cannabis is scheduled. So, um, we're trying I to deschedule it in the United States, but it's also part of an international treaty system. And it's a political construct, you know, marijuana, it's not a real, it's not even really a scientific term. And of course, cannabis is the right term, but so we've got this poli- legal political term of marijuana that comes from a really a time of prejudice against people of color.
1: There's been a lot of misinformation, and the majority of it has been intentional, I feel. You know, it's all about education. We're growing up as a species, as a people, as a country. We're all growing up, and part of exercising our demons, I guess, is having Donald Trump on the ticket. (laughs) So first got to ask you, so tell us a little bit about the demonstration that you held on April 2nd, the emergency national mobilization to deschedule cannabis. What was the purpose of this rally, and, like, how many people turned out?
3: Well, there was about 600 people who came, and that may not seem like a lot, but we were promising simplest disobedience. We were telling everyone that there's a very good chance they'll be arrested. So it was a radical protest. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, we rallied with a 51-foot joint, <laughs> inflatable joint. Wait, where do you get a 51-foot inflatable joint? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made it. But, you know, <laughs> it didn't exist, and... That's my approach to a lot of stuff is that, you know, you can't just order it off the internet. You have to do it yourself. And so we worked with an artist named Cesar Max who built an inflatable 200-foot Keystone XL pipeline in Washington, D.C. a few years earlier, and that pipeline was photographed in front of the White House held by thousands of climate change activists, of which 1,200 were arrested at the White House blocking the entrances to the White House, demanding social change. Mm. This is for an issue that no one is going to jail for. This is for an environmental issue. We have people, our own people, going to jail still, seven hundred thousand a year, five million during the Obama years alone, just for marijuana, and there's no change and there's no outcry. So I condemned a lot of the groups and their strategy by simply saying personally, I'd rather go in front of the White House and smoke pot and get arrested doing this and generating pressure on the White House rather than this, uh, this sort of, we can long enough they'll finally do something for us. And that's just not the right approach. And power concedes nothing without demand. Frederick Douglass said that you know, and great injustices don't end without a fight. And um, this is one of the greatest injustices of our time, maybe the greatest no other issue puts more people behind bars than marijuana. So yeah, I'm passionate about it. D.C., we feel liberated. We're wearing Virgin hats. We're wearing liberty caps. I mean, we're, we've become a whole political movement in the city of Washington, in the District of Columbia. And then it's sort of raising other issues. We don't have senators. We don't have representatives. We only have one person in the federal government who actually we get to vote for, and it's the president. So I kind of... Looked around, I said, like, we have to take our issues to the president. He's basically our governor. You know, we don't have a governor. Sure. And he can be our advocate. He can fight for us in Congress. Why is he not doing more? Why is he letting the Harris Amendment be attached to the D.C. budget so we can't responsibly tax and regulate marijuana? Right. You know, and so we passed this with 70%. What do we need, 80%? What rule says we need more than 50%? None. You know, Congress created the District of Columbia in its current form, which is a, they call it Home Rule. And in that current form, they gave us the right to ballot initiatives. And I used that right. I played by the rules. We collected the signatures, put on the ballot. People voted. People have spoken. But somehow the law is not really working. You know, it's not really the Fall, fall through hasn't taken place at all. So I want the president to reschedule schedule. I think he can solve our federal public housing conflict where we have medical marijuana patients in public housing who can't use it at home because they'd be violating their leases with the federal government. It's just nuts. They have to change it.
1: And we, like I said in the opening, you know, we're getting close there, 25 states and counting, and this is going to be a big year, and people like you are really doing the frontline work. How soon after April second rally was it announced that the DEA was going to consider rescheduling marijuana? Do you feel
3: there's any correlation there? Well, a couple of things have happened, and I can break some news on your show, actually, because we're just talking about today being the 420 holiday. Yes, there was a letter sent from the DEA to Elizabeth Warren in, in response to a prior request for descheduling. The uh, letter said essentially that they would reply to her more formally in July. I think it was just kicking the can down the road, trying to make it look like they were doing something when they were doing nothing. So I have no, zero indication that, that means anything. And I think anyone who breathes into that or is betting that there's going to be a massive shift in marijuana policy this summer. There's extremely little evidence that that's the case. And I would know, because I'm really close to it. So all those day traders who are betting on that are making a big mistake. What I think is happening, though, is that they are entertaining the idea as a political stunt, if you will, before the election. And you know what? And I'm all for doing it. I'm for us raising the expectation... We don't have to get anything, any kind of promise. We just need to have a summit at the White House about cannabis where all the major drug media, drug, sorry, drug reform media, drug reform advocates are welcome to be heard because we've never been heard. We've been locked out. And I kind of got a little tangent here, but we were demanding a meeting with the White House as the leaders of the initiative in DC and that we felt like we were entitled to it after successfully changing the law, and that they had never spoken with us, and they're making comments to the media about it. They're saying they're against the Harris Amendment. Okay, great. Then let's work together. But you're not coordinating with us. So we felt very disrespected, and we wanted a meeting, and we said we would cancel the civil disobedience if they simply met with us. But they didn't respond, again, after three letters. So, you know, a couple of days after the news that Elizabeth Warren got a response from the DEA after our protest, well, guess what? I got an email from the White House. And, and we're going to talk uh,
1: about that right when we get back. I'm really excited to hear about this. Don't okay. go away, everybody. We have to take a quick break to show our sponsors some Grow Show love. So breathe deeply, and we'll be right back before you can polish off that bowl with Adam Eigner.
2: The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break.
4: Dr. Dabber, hurry, it's
2: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orangehilldevelopment.com
4: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news
2: and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia.
4: The State of Cannabis.
2: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are talking with Adam Eidinger, political activist extraordinaire in my book, and he's actually right out in front of the United Nations right now at a protest, and he's taking time to speak with us. He was just about to tell us about this wonderful message that he got after his protest last week.
3: Well, yeah, so <laughs> we, were our, we planned another protest, I should say, and it was called the White House Seed Share and Cannabis Summit. And we did it this past Saturday. Over 1,000 people came and received free cannabis seeds from other people who had seeds to give, as well as cuttings. Almost 2,000 cuttings were handed out, and, and then marijuana was shared, too. But that's nobody so used. cannabis culture-like, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's what the law says here, too. You can't sell it. But nobody used it, right? Um, we we put we put out a message that we already used it. We already rescheduled four twenty and had a four twenty smoke in on four two. This time we want to show that we're actually really we know we're in control of this whole thing. Like we no one know, it's not organic, it's organized. So were and any so laws a,
1: broken? Is it legal to openly trade cannabis in DC? It is. So to share
3: cannabis, but not to trade it. It's, so, it's yeah, about
1: I, the money thing. So that's that's very much like California because DC like California there's no legal sale. So, you know, as you know yes. in California we have millions of dollars of cannabis being sold every day, but there is no mechanism for that to be actually become a legal transaction as of yet.
3: Swapping has become really popular where people bring in a couple ounces of their whatever they grew to a location and they'll leave with you know six strains but still they'll have a couple ounces when they leave. Right. So there is there's a lot of swapping going on. There's a lot of there's a cultural thing going on with cannabis can, where people are helping each other grow and then and helping you can each carry other out with products.
1: Is that correct? You can, you're allowed to carry two ounces in your possession in yes. DC. that's right. correct.
3: Of the 600 f- people. A thousand people who came to the White House. There was probably pounds of marijuana on the street. and It was all legal. That's fantastic. So, so, so according to Washington let me tell Post, you about the news. Go, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I haven't seen told right? so no, you the news. So, we get this request from the White House after we've already called for the next protest because, you know, if power hasn't conceded to a demand, you have to keep demanding. So, we said, okay, they haven't responded after every after getting worldwide media attention for bringing a 51 foot joint to the White House. They didn't respond. We're going to do another thing. They responded finally. They said, you know what? We We, we saw your letter. We'll meet with you. We'd like to have a chat. And I was like, okay, great. This is amazing. We're actually making some progress here. I wrote them back. I said, may I bring you know, Nicholas Schiller, who's my partner here in this whole project. He's the co-founder of DCMJ. I think you both should be there. And work better as a team. And then they said, you know, we also said, hey, how about we just open this up, just get to the point and invite major marijuana reformers. Right. Just, just the leaders of these organizations. Because honestly, I respect them. They have more knowledge than I do on a lot of things. And, you know, why you can't just talk to me. You've got to talk to the whole movement. And they wrote back. But I said I would meet them regardless. Mm-hmm. And they wrote back and said, no, we'd rather just meet with you. So huh. that was yesterday that they wrote back. Today we're letting the public know because sports winning, and I think this is good, positive news. We want to share this with the rest of the sports winning community in the world. That the White House is going to actually sit down with real cannabis activists, people who actually did smokins at the White House on Monday, April twenty fifth at 1.30 p.m. at the White House.
1: Man, you are my uh, hero! Officially, I am so excited. <laughs> I know you must be well, very excited.
3: I mean, we're excited, but there's a trepidation and a sense of, well, we'll give you the good news. We'll release the good news today. We'll let everybody know, but you've got to come through for us, and that's what the message is going to be in person is that you sure. need to do something for real, not symbolic. It has to be real. And, you know, I also want to drive home the point with the, with the president's people, because we're not meeting with the president, to be clear. We're meeting with his staff. Mm-hmm. Is that you look at legalization as a home cultivation first issue, oh. as a personal civil rights issue first. Then talk about the business. Legalization
1: kind of the over, business first. Exa- my, my pet peeve these days is legalization
3: over commercialization. Yes, they're different things. And one is about civil rights and human rights, and the other is about making money. The exactly. latter doesn't need help right now. Right. The latter is using the politics of the situation to its advantage. And, they're, and it's, we're going to have more situations like what happened in Ohio, where millions, tens of millions of dollars are wasted on advocating for a form of legalization that is abhorrent to the vast majority of marijuana users. The president needs to work with a marijuana consumer-led movement, not a marijuana business-led movement. Groups like the National Cannabis Industry Association are not demanding anything from the White House. They're not participating in our protest. I'm a founding board member of the National Cannabis Industry Association, and I want to say I would never give them another dime until they back protests. And I would say the same thing goes for Normal and other groups, which I won't name because I respect the people who work there, that they all need to get behind protests. That protest is the only option, especially in light of what's happening here at the United Nations, as well as locally around the country. The progress that's getting made is too much, gear, too much geared towards making money for an elite few of investors, and I just we just don't need to do it this way. The mar- price of marijuana will be artificially held up by regulation and taxes. They've already brutalized us for a lifetime with prohibition, and they want to—they want to keep it going with taxation and corporatization. I'm I stand with you, man. against it, and I, and I know that everybody's with me on this. But I, I'm also—I am a business owner. I own a hemp store, you know. No, I'm really with you. I to, you know, I'm—I I so
1: speak I, out. <laughs> I speak out for sure about you know how is it in the best interest public of the public health and welfare to have a factory down the street. Who's selling, maybe, maybe we're lucky and they're selling 50 types of marijuana. But for the last 10 years, I've been growing my own and I've been supporting myself and my family and my friends with medicine that you know is very helpful to them. And now I have to go buy it and I can provide it for myself. How is that in the best interest of the public health and welfare? So, you know, before we go and spend all this time and money legalizing so people can make millions of dollars growing football sized. Field-sized warehouses. What about the home grower? You're going to continue to criminalize us. We're the reason why we're all mm-hmm. here.
3: It's the home growers. That's that push right. This and, issue. and if I was a, if, you know, what, politicians talk about votes, right? And if they want to actually get the votes, you, well, how do you get, how do you get votes? You promise you're going to put money in people's pockets. That is, that's how it works. You promise jobs. You promise you're going to put, it, you're going to make people's livelihoods better. And now, most promises like that never get fulfilled there's no real viable way to put more money in people's pockets unless they cut taxes or raise taxes. Okay. It's usually some variation of that, but I have one. You legalize home cultivation and maybe not all the marijuana users, but a significant number of them will start growing at home. And when they grow, they're going to save two, three, $400 a month, whatever they were spending on marijuana. They'll know. That's going be to invigorate the economy. Really high... Yes. And you're actually putting money in their pockets. You're actually saying you have more money for your retirement. You don't have to waste it on the essentially the tax of the underground economy of a prohibition. It creates, it creates like a you know high prices because of its illegality. That's all going to go away. You'll have low prices because you're growing it for yourself. And really, a person who uses about an ounce of marijuana a month, which would be a regular, you know, a daily user, they are spending $400 a month for good marijuana or more, and especially in big cities. So, sure. This is a real this is a real savings. I don't have any bills that big except for a car payment. I think unfortunately <laughs> you know? Unfortunately, part of the reason why we're
1: here and, and making this progress is, is the perfect storm effect. You know, It isn't just that people are realizing that cannabis is not a killer. It isn't just that they're realizing that cannabis can make money for them. It's all of these things that are getting grouped in together. You know, The fact that the drug war is being realized as a failure and that we don't have money to keep putting people in jail. Unfortunately, we're not just doing it for just the right reason, but that doesn't bother me. Let's take advantage of this perfect storm and let's push this stuff through.
3: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um,
1: so, so what else you got for me? <laughs> well, I was wondering, is there any type of a specific agenda that you'll plan on discussing?
3: That's a great question. Yes. I think the what I just mentioned to you about this should be about consumer-friendly form of legalization, not the corporate one. Uh, that's going to be a big message. Uh, but Absolutely. I'm also going to talk about descheduling and how... Simply by descheduling cannabis, it's going to to resolve all kinds of issues in the District of Columbia for low-income people living in subsidized housing. We can take it out of the federal housing rules. We can also start addressing the whole drug testing issue. We can start creating more opportunities for federal employees to use cannabis without fear of losing their jobs. I mean, there's just so many things that have to happen still that haven't happened. We are so far behind other movements that have worked on Everything from, you know, the organic movement has a program, you know. There are, mm-hmm. other, there are other issues that are getting so much more traction in this administration. Gay and lesbian transgender rights is a really good example. They care about the civil rights of, the, uh, of that community immensely, and I do too. And I, but I, I think that, you know, this is a whole other community that's being left out. And we are probably the biggest outside political mainstream group and movement in the country is the marijuana movement that's not been sort of brought in as like well the white house has a contact on that the white house needs marijuana contacts and not just (laughs) business people they need bona fide activists they need to be friends with them and then once they've done that and they've established these relationships they can actually have a way forward that's going to be popular that's going to reward them politically when it comes to the election election time and reward the people because that's ultimately how it works right we're supposed to reward the politicians that do right by the people. So we're willing to do that. I've been saying that all along, but we have. That's the thing. I think Obama got elected by marijuana voters both times.
0: <laughs> even do, he I wasn't. Even
3: though he wasn't, he was, you know, he was terrible the first term. Honestly, he raided more medical marijuana dispensaries or under his watch than it happened under Bush. And sure. my business was raided in Washington, D.C., and I had two stores closed down. And I went to jail, and all my employees went to jail. And we had, to, we had to fight that out. And in the end, we were not even prosecuted.
1: I can sense your passion. And that's why I'm going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back. i got a few more questions for you. So everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back with more Adam Eigener. The
2: Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton, and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details.
3: Tommy Chong Show
2: on Cannabis Radio.
4: You know, about this
3: podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet.
2: The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world, world, world. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are speaking today with Captain Kirk Reed of Kirk's Edibles. And man, I got to tell you, your edibles are some of the best I've ever tasted in my life. And I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing and you found your true calling. Tell us what Oaksterdam courses did you take and how did it help you in developing your infusion skills?
2: Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to The Grow Show
1: on CannabisRadio.com. Normally, this is where I answer cannabis questions in our Ask Kyle segment, but this is a very special episode and we're going to continue our discussion with Adam Eidinger today. Don't worry, though. Ask Kyle will be back next week, so keep sending them in. Adam, so you're actually participating in yet another event today in New York. We spoke about Mm -hmm. that. How do demonstrations, particularly ones which have a certain aspect of civil disobedience to them, actually help to change policy? Does it really make a difference?
3: Well, I think it does, because policymakers are attuned to what's happening on the streets. They care about their image, their reputation. So we can tarnish reputation, and that was one of the strategic points about highlighting that there's been 5 million marijuana arrests under Barack Obama, and that pardoning, you know, 50 people, is not really addressing anything. And by the way, we want pardons, and you know, he's only pardoned, I think, about 200 people total, and there's been 5 million arrests just for marijuana. Every one of those arrests should have been pardoned. You know, I, I, that's, I, that's what I want to see, as a president, he does something really historic, on the issue that is seen as a, a watershed break from the past, and we haven't gotten that yet with marijuana. Do you, so do you really? The think that the pre-
1: do you really think that the president could actually, <clears throat> for example, pardon a million people?
3: Yeah, actually, he can. Under under the Constitution, he has no limit on pardons. That's quite this interesting. Is an incredible power he has. Is he going to use it for real, or is he just going to use it to pretend? And so far, it's been pretend. It's, been it's politics. It's only been been totally political, symbolic pardons. We need mass pardons. There's probably 10,000 people in jail for life sentences related directly to marijuana trade. You know, all these people are going to come into this industry now and make money. You know, uh, Michelle Alexander, author of The New Jim Crow, she said it herself, hey, you know what? White people are going to get rich off of marijuana legalization. And (laughs) black people aren't. And, and black, black, people are people are the, black
1: people are the ones who need to be paid back most of all because they're the
3: ones who, improportionately went to jail. Yeah, sure. Because exactly, they were the criminals. They were the ones that have criminal records, and they're not allowed to get into these medical programs because you know operators—they can't be operators. They can't even work them if they have felony, sale, drug conviction. You yeah, know? So and the, So they, you, ha- you know, it's it yes. It's There's a
1: lot of work to be done, and and that's why I'm. Pr- praising you. I'm really truly heartfelt praise for, for being out there on the front lines and doing this stuff. I like to think I do my part. I've been, you know, pushing for normalization and legalization for 25 years now, and that's why I'm doing this show more than anything. It's called the Grow Show. I do mm-hmm. talk about cultivation, but it's really about changing these these misperceptions and moving on to a world, you know, th- that's more tolerant and peaceful, you know? Peace goes along with tolerance. For sure
3: you know, I applaud you for spreading the gospel about growing, because this, is the, this is the best way to produce cannabis, I think, or, is to grow local and to share local and treat it like just anything else in the garden. And, you know, that gardening experience for cannabis leads to all kinds of other growing opportunities. So, yeah, you know, thank you so much for promoting that.
1: I thank you so much, too. And, you know, we only have a few minutes left. I'm going to try to wrap this up here. So, how can somebody get involved in participating or even organizing these kinds of rallies?
3: Well, I think people might be surprised how easy it is to organize your own event. You know, people can create an event on Facebook and create a small working group. The best organizing usually takes place with less than a dozen people who are really at the core of it. Even running for president, the same thing. There's usually a core group of dedicated people that have a mission and a vision. And then they just, it's all about recruiting and building capacity. I think people should listen out, though, for National Calls to Action and try to plug in. Be willing to take road trips. You know, movements move. You've got to get out of the house. I mean, I'm away from my daughter for the last five days. It's, it's not always that great to be on the road. But you've you got to do it sometimes. We have to get people to get out of their comfort zones. Less time on the couch, more time out with other people. And you'll find that life gets a lot more inter- interesting. So activism is rewarding on many levels. And a lot of people, it, takes, it could be their 30s when they awaken to activism. You, know? they might not have, you might not have thought about it much in your 20s or teens. Or you've been an activist your whole life. It either way, once you get into your system, you can't be an activist. And it's about justice. It's never too late, and it is addictive. You know, doing <laughs> right
1: feels good. You know, let's end our show by once again invoking the man who quite possibly did civil disobedience better than anyone. Martin Luther King Jr. was once quoted as saying, I don't think any society can call an individual irresponsible who breaks the law and willingly accepts the penalty if conscience tells him that the law is unjust. And based on that premise, Mm -hmm. it's my opinion that pot smoking should be considered less of a crime and more of an act of civil disobedience.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So using this show as a marker of hopefulness that we are moving forward. I know we are. um, Another state legalized. And we have people like you out on the front line. And we're running out of time for our show today. And Adam, thanks again for taking the time to come on the show. Can you tell our listeners how best to reach you if they'd like to send you an email?
3: Sure. My email is just adam at dcmj.org. And there's a great website there to check out, dcmj. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Adam. I'm going to uh, wish you a lot of luck in your protest today and in the future. I hope we get to meet each other in person really soon. I must thank our guest, Adam Eidinger, of course, our producers, especially Brasco and CannabisRadio.com for making this show possible. Make sure to check out my website, KyleCushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media and upcoming events I'll be attending, like the Cannagrow in San Diego on May 7th and 8th. Find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. And listen up everybody, I've just gotten done speaking with Adam Eidinger off air and he's agreed to a follow-up interview to let us know exactly what he spoke about in the White House. Remember, right makes might. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host Kyle Cushman and as always, please stay lifted. E não
4: The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health.